This morning we're we're gonna do something a little different. Uh, we have been looking at our, our theme this year is a firm foundation, and we've been looking at the different parables of Christ as we have. Um, and at least my desire has been to um, uh, uh, help us get to the foundations of Jesus's teaching, and I don't know a better way to do that than with uh, the parables and. My 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 hope is uh, that um, each of us, by the conclusion of each of the parables that we've looked at, would come to a choice that we are either going to do one of two things. We're going to either rely on Christ or we're going to rely on ourselves. And, and it comes down to a choice. Uh, uh, and... <clears throat> So this morning we're gonna we're gonna vary off the the parables. This morning we're not um, uh, necessarily gonna be uh, looking at a parable, although we're gonna be reading one here in just a second. Um, but the emphasis is not gonna be on the parable; it's gonna be on something else. Um, but it, it, it all hopefully will come to the fact that we we make choices all the time. In Matthew chapter 7, uh, you don't have to turn there. We'll, we'll put it up on the board for you. But in Matthew chapter 7, um, verses 24 to 27, uh, Jesus gives us a parable uh, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And on Sunday nights, we're, we're studying the Sermon on the Mount. So we're not going to get into this parable a lot. But this morning, I want to challenge us with the, the idea of making choices because that's what this parable is all about. Uh, therefore, uh, whosoever heareth this, these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which buildeth his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains ascended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it boils down, this parable uh, that Jesus tells at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, boils down to one very simple thing. Choices. What are you going to do? Are you going to are you going to choose to rely on Christ? Or are you going to choose to rely on yourself? That's what this parable boils down to: building a firm foundation. Are you going to build it upon Jesus Christ? Or are you going to build it upon the things of this world? And that has been my goal this year, as we have uh, uh, looked at the idea of a firm foundation. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. And what we do with that choice determines the outcome. So this morning, I, I, I told you we're, we're going to take a little bit different uh, uh, approach here this morning. Instead of looking at a parable, I want to challenge you with this question, uh, how to make good choices. How do you make good choices? 
and I want to I want to I want to give you uh, something that has been an, a big help to me over the years. Out of the book of Joshua, we'll be there in a minute. But um, how do you make good choices? When I years ago, uh, most of you know that before I was a pastor, I was a missionary, and <clears throat> when I was a missionary, I was a I was a, a construction missionary. I traveled around the world and built churches and houses for missionaries. And I was in Japan one time doing a building project. Actually, I've, I've been to Japan several times, but this one particular time, I was in the city of Kobe. And we, I, I don't, it's been so many years ago, I don't remember exactly what the project was, but, but I was in Kobe. And, and uh, the missionary told me, he says, hey, let's take a day off and let's do some sightseeing. So he, he took me downtown Kobe, which is like going downtown L.A. It's just skyscrapers and just, I mean, it's big city. And as we were walking down the street, we, we went past a pastry shop. We, they don't have donuts there, unfortunately, but they they have these pastries. And as as we were walking by, I I happened to notice these pastries in the window, and I just all I said was, "Whoa, those look good." And the the the, the missionary that I was with, he he just he stopped and he says, "Really?" He said, "Look at them." So we stopped, and I'm like, man, I, I, you know, how many of you have ever seen something that just looking at it makes your, your glands, like, kick in overdrive? <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm standing there. He, he must have seen the, 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 the saliva coming out or something. He, he says, come on, let, let, let's go inside. And, you know... I thought, you know, no, we don't need to go. Anyway, he's like, no, 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 seriously. And we, we walked in, and <clears throat> it, you know, it's about the size of what we would consider a donut shop. It wasn't huge, but it was pretty good size. And, he, and this is what he says to me. He says, pick, pick two of anything. He said, just pick two. And I'm like, wow, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I'm, I, I don't understand Japanese, you know, so I, I don't know if these things are expensive or not. I, I, you know, so I was freaked out a little bit. And he says, no, no, it's on me. I'll buy it. He said, just pick two. So I, I walked down the, down the counter. and the, I mean, telling me to pick two pastries, you, you know what I'm saying? When there are literally dozens of them, it, it was like a, it's like, ah, ooh, ah. So anyway, I picked two. And they and they 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 put them in this little paper thing and put a little bow on it, and then they put it in this little pretty box. And I'm like, man, these have got to be expensive. I never did find out how much they cost, but anyway. So, I he he gives me this box, and yeah, you know, it's a little box about this big. And we get outside the door. I mean, we barely get three steps out the door, and he's like, open it, open it, open it. So I, you know, we walked off to the side, and I, I opened it, and he's like, "Eat one." Just, you know, take a bite. So I, you know, I, I opened the box and undid the little ribbon, and and I, I happened to open the one that I wanted the most. 
And I reached down and I took a bite. And I was so disappointed. <laughs> it tasted like paste. Now, how many of you of kids grew up eating paste? Okay, we, you know, those of us that are a little older did that, right? <laughs> That's what it tasted like. Elmer's glue. And I was like, yuck. You know, I, can you imagine every taste bud in my mouth was screaming at me? Because, you know, your, your brain's telling you one thing and your mouth is telling you another, and it's just like, ugh. And he starts laughing. So he says, take a bite of the other one. So, so I thought, it can't be as bad as that one. It can't be. So, so I opened it up, and I took a bite, and it was the same thing. tasted like Elmer's glue. Just, it was horrible. And I learned something very important that day. Things are not always the way they seem. He went on to explain to me that in the Japanese culture, appearance is everything. If they have a dinner party, they will go and get these beautiful pastries. I don't know. I, I'm assuming nobody eats them. Because <laughs> I was never going to eat another one. But it's all about appearance. And he sat me down. We, here we are in this mus- bustling metropolis of Kobe, Japan. Were you all ever in Kobe? Okay. Just, I mean, just big. They, they were stationed in Japan, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, but uh, just, I mean, people everywhere. And we sat down on a park bench, and he, and he, and he tells me something. He said, Rick, I want to I share something with you. He said, that those pastries are a wonderful illustration of the Japanese society as a whole. The Japanese are all about what people see. It is all a front. People's lives can be literally falling apart and you'll, you will never know it. Because their society is built around the premise of putting on a front. And he says, these nasty pastries are a perfect picture of the hearts of the Japanese people. Let me say this. What I've learned is those nasty pastries are a perfect picture of every heart of every individual who's ever lived. Making choices. And for the first time in my life, I mean, I've, I, had heard the, I had heard the phrase, but I, for the first time in my life, I really understood what it meant 
everything is not always what it appears to be. Did you guys ever eat one of those nasty pastries while you were over there? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Did it taste like paste? Yeah, absolutely. I, somebody told me to make them out of uh, rice paste. They ground up rice or something. Anyway, just they're just nasty. Anyway, just if you ever go to Japan, don't buy any pastry. That's the that's the point of my my illustration. <clears throat> Making how to make good choices. How to make good choices because you know ultimately that is the thing that helps us through our lives, is it not? We make choices. We make literally hundreds of if not thousands of choices a day some of them are intentional choices and then some are just you don't even think about it you just make choices our lives are full of choices and how we make those choices impact how we are because god does not want a elmer's pasted heart he wants a heart that's full of joy and a life that's productive Joshua chapter 24. <clears throat> oh, it would have helped if I had went there. Excuse me, I'll, I'll be with you in a minute. Joshua chapter 24. Probably one of the most well-known passages in the book of Joshua Joshua says this, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in, 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 in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side and of the flood and, the, and in Egypt and, uh, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, thank you for your, your, your word that can guide us and direct us into all truth. Help us, dear God, this morning to get a glimpse of how we can make better choices. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The greatest or the hardest decisions that we make always involve a combination of four things. We're going to talk about these four things this morning. Uh, <clears throat> intellect. Passion, determination, and weakness. Those are the four things that, that will help every single one of us make good and right choices. And all four of those things are prevalent in, in this passage that we just read. Intellect, passion, determination, and weakness. So let's look at all four of these. The first one we're going to look at this morning is intellect. In verses 1 through 13, and we're not going to do it for time's sake, but verses 1 through 13, Joshua 
gives an overview, if you would, of the history of Israel. He goes back to Egypt. And he starts in Egypt and, he's, and he talks about the plagues that God did and the, 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 the miracles that God did through the plagues and, and, and got uh, Pharaoh to uh, let the people go. Then they, they, they made it to uh, the Jordan River and before they crossed, they, their rebellious hearts, God said, no, turn around, you're going back out into the desert for 40 years and then Joshua then starts to talk about the miraculous things that God did out in the wilderness. For 40 years, he provided food for them. For 40 years, he, does, he, he provided water for them. For 40 years, a, uh, uh, a, pillar, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. For 40 years, they, want, they, they traveled through the wilderness. And they had everything that they needed for 40 years. What an incredible thing. And, and Joshua is going through this and, and he's reviewing this and he's, and he's telling them <clears throat> and he's reminding them of all the protection that God gave them as they traveled through the, the, through the 40 years of wilderness, but also the victories that had been won in the promised land. City after city, town after town, had had fallen into the hands of the uh, of of Israel, and God, time after time after time, had done great things, and over and over and over. Joshua made an intellectual appeal to the people. Let me, let me say this. Each and every one of us sitting in this room this morning has something to be thankful for. The fact that you're breathing is one thing. The fact that you're able to come to church is another. We all have things to be thankful for. And we should, on a regular basis, sit and have a purposeful time where we sit and think about the wonderful things that God's done in our lives. Because if we will remember intellectually the things that God has done in our lives, it will help us make good choices. Joshua, in his review of all of this, uh, you know, everything that he's talking about, uh, that, you know, is, is common knowledge that it's not it's not a secret. Everybody knew uh, everything that he had talked about, and <clears throat> basically, what Joshua is saying is, if for no other reason than the intellectual knowledge of what God has done for us in the past, we should serve Him today. we should be living the same way. An equivalent verse to, the, to this thought in the New Testament, as I was thinking about this, my mind went immediately to John chapter 3 and verse 16. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The reality is this simple. This verse should cause each and every one of us to serve God. Just based on the intellectual fact that Jesus Christ died for my sin because of God's love for me. That should be enough to cause me to serve him. The intellectual knowledge. Point number two, passion. Passion. Look at verse 15, the end of, the end of verse 15. Joshua wraps his, his argument up with a passionate plea, if you would. He says, but for me, but as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I can honestly say, I know a lot of Christian families that have either all of that verse or at least that part of the verse somewhere in their house. But as for me and my house, we will serve Lord. That is a passionate plea so that everybody who walks in that house knows or should know, hey, I am going to do right. At least that's what it should mean. It shouldn't be just a pretty thing we throw up on the wall. It should be a passionate plea for each of us. <clears throat> and man, I'll tell you what, you can't get any more passionate than that. Joshua is standing in front of the entire nation of Israel. And he's, and he's saying, hey, it's time. You know, we, we have verses 1 through 13. We have the intellectual knowledge that God has done all this stuff for us. And it's now time to make a choice, verses 14 and 15. And at the end, he said, I don't know about you, but I've made my choice. We're going to serve God. Passionate plea. <clears throat> as, jo as Joshua pleads with the people. Hey, it's time to make a choice. We've made that choice. What's your choice going to be? And as I sat and I thought about that, I thought, man, that's easy to say. It's easy to say, hey, I am going to serve the Lord with every ounce of my being. I'm going to serve the Lord. I, it's, that's easy to say. But is it easy to live? So often we, we, we go through the motions and we, we say all the right things, but do we really live what we say? Look at verse 16 of Joshua 24. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, 
He it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage and which did uh, those great signs in, in our sight and preserved us in the way where, wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. Verse 18, And the Lord drove out uh, um, from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwell in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. See, Joshua's plea caused the people to make a decision too. And their decision was to serve the Lord. And there are times in our lives where we as believers need to stand up and make passionate pleas in a world that is lost and dying without Christ. And it is our passion for the things of God that will oftentimes draw people to Christ. We need to be more passionate. As I was thinking of this, I thought of another event in the history of of Scripture. A guy named Elijah. Elijah had declared a drought. God had told him to to go to the king, and and he went to the king, and he says, hey, king, until, until God, basically, until God tells me to end the drought, we're stuck, you're stuck, no drought. For three and a half years, there was no rain, no dew on the ground, nothing. And before it ended, God told uh, uh, Elijah to to demonstrate his power. So so he challenges the the God uh, the the preachers uh, or the the prophets of Baal to a challenge, and they they're going to meet on top of Mount Carmel. Uh, which, by the way, a little commercial here. Um, I am so excited about going to Israel. Uh, my, as you know, uh, the church voted to send my wife and I to Israel in January. And one of the places we're going is Mount Carmel. So I am so excited. Anyway, that was free. Um, <clears throat> I just want to be there. and I want to see it. Uh, you know, I've, I, I know pastor friends that have been to Israel. And they, they tell you, once you go there and you actually see it, it changes everything. Anyway, so I, I'm excited. But anyway, uh, Elijah gets on the Mount Carmel. And he brings all the nation of Israel together for this contest. And in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 21, it says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. So what happens is he brings all the people of Israel together and he says, Look, Choose who you're going to serve. If God is God, then serve God. If Baal is God, then serve Baal, but serve someone. Get off the fence and do something. Elijah ends up doing a great miracle in the and I would recommend, if you're not familiar with the story, for time's sake, we can't tell the whole story. But a, 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 an incredible miracle takes place. 
And, and, and literally, uh, Elijah uh, calls down fire from heaven. And God does a miraculous thing. And, and <clears throat> uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 39, it says, And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. What happened? Knowledge turned into passion. Knowledge turned into passion. He presented them with the knowledge that God was the God of heaven. Through the contest that he and the, the, the prophets of Baal had, the knowledge that God, the God of heaven, was still in control, even though it didn't feel like it, but God was still in control. That knowledge caused a passion within the hearts of the children of Israel. And they chose that day to serve the Lord. Now, as I thought about this, is there a problem with a decision that we make based only on knowledge and passion? Partially, yes. Because what happens to passion? It fizzles. Passion kind of wears off, does it not? And what happens when passion goes away? We go back to the old things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, it says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Everything that we do, we should, we should do to bring honor and glory to God. Which brings us to our third point, determination. Intellect, passion, and determination. Joshua knew that if the people were going to stick to their decision, they would have to do it with a determination that would take root in their lives. Because if you understand and you remember the history of the nation of Israel, what are they known for? Living for God? turning away from God, living for God, turning away from God. And they're, they're the nation of Israel, if you, you go back and you read uh, the history of the nation of Israel, it's like, it's like sitting on a roller coaster. But the reality is this. Most of us live the exact same way. As long as things are going good for us, man, God is awesome. I have a friend on Facebook. I don't think anybody in here would be friends with him, so I can say this. He's a friend of mine who lives back east somewhere. But he says things on Facebook, and it, it kind of bothers me. Not, not what he says, it's just how he says it. And let, me, let me share with you. What he'll say is when, when something good goes on in his life, he, he'll end his Facebook post with, 
God is good. Now, let me ask you, is God good? Amen. All the time, God is good. The problem is, he never puts up anything negative. You know, oh, I have a headache today. God is good. God is just as good when I have a headache than when I find a $10 bill on the the ground. God is always good. Joshua 24, look at verse 19. And Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for He is an holy God, and He is a jealous God, and He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves, that ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, Put away, uh, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart uh, unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God, he, uh, excuse me, the Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. And Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. And he set them a statute uh, and in the ordinance of uh, Shechem. What was Joshua saying? This is basically, in in 21st century vernacular, I think Joshua, this is kind of what Joshua was saying is, hey, if you're going to serve God, serve God. But if you don't serve God, he will do you hurt. The choice is ours. The the choice is ours. Going back to the the passage we read read in Matthew chapter 7 a few minutes ago, uh, what foundation are you going to build your house on? Are you going to build it on the rock of Jesus Christ? Are you going to build it on the sand of this world? The choice is ours. And Joshua is very clearly saying, hey, I'm not telling you how to make your choice. I'm only telling you what my family has decided to do. You make your own choice. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And the reality is this, if, if I could make the choice for you to serve the Lord, guess what would happen? It wouldn't last very long. That's why the choice has to be ours. And it has to be a choice of determination. We have to determine to stick to it. Through the good times and the bad times. 
Because God is good all the time. In verse 23, look at verse 23. There's, there's some interesting uh, phraseology here that is, that is really important. In verse 23, it says, Now therefore put away, he said, the strange gods which are among you. The, the, the words, the two words here, put away. Okay, let, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Um, those of you that have kids, how many times have you handed them something and said, here, put this away? Yeah, eight million and two. <laughs> Is that for each kid? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, so what, I mean, how, you know, walking through the house in the middle of the night, you step on a matchbox. That is an awesome experience. <laughs> Army men, Legos. Yeah, oh, Legos are the, they're the best. Yeah, those sharp corners. Yeah, it's awesome. So if you hand this object to one of your lovely children, <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. Your, your little uh, person. And you say, here, put this away. What are they going to do? Well, hopefully they're paying attention to you, but what are they supposed to do? Put it where it belongs, right? So when we read this in Scripture, that is, the, that is kind of the, the, the mindset. You know, we, we, you know, when you put something away, that means it has a place, and it's not in its place, and it needs to be in its place. Does that make sense? Okay, that's not what this means. This word, so, so when you read in Scripture the, the phrase that says to put away, it doesn't mean to just put it away. It means to destroy, to annihilate. That's what you want to do with the matchbox in the middle of the night. You want to annihilate that thing. Yeah. <laughs> so what is Joshua telling the people when he when he tells them to put away their strange gods? Is he is he telling them to hey take all your little statues and your all your little little gods and and put them in a, put them away in the closet? Is that what he's telling them? No. He's telling them not only to just throw them away. He's telling them to destroy them. So that, so that not only can you not go dig them out of the garbage, but that if you did, they would be so destroyed you couldn't use them again. To put them away. Now, I don't know about you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw myself under the bus. I like stuff. I, I like stuff, especially if it has the word tool attached to it. I mean, you, 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 you put tool on anything and sell it for less than $5, I'll buy it. I don't care what it is. You know, I, I just love tools. Come to my house, you'll know immediately what I'm talking about. But it's just stuff. 
And I have to, I have to honestly uh, bring myself into check periodically and remind myself it's just stuff. That's all it is. Now I got some really cool stuff. I'm joking, okay. But you get my point. Put it away. Get rid of it. Just what 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 is your priority? Is your priority the things of this world or the things of God? Be determined. As I was <clears throat> going through this, I thought of uh, I had a thought. Why was Paul considered to be one of the best Christians that has ever lived? Hopefully you'll understand point three is determination. If nothing else, Paul was determined, was he not? And I think one of the reasons why we think of Paul being a great Christian is because he was determined that he was going to do right. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 7, it says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. If nothing else, Paul was determined. As Joshua says, put away those things. Don't have them around. Just get destroy them. Get rid of them. So we've talked about intellect, and we've talked about passion and determination. Now, number four, on the surface, may sound a little odd. Point number four, weakness. Weakness. I want to talk about two kinds of weaknesses that we need in our lives. The first one is the weakness of the past. The weakness of the past. Remembering what God has done in our lives. Remembering the mistakes that I've made along the way. I don't know about you, but I've made a lot of them. And I don't want to forget one of them. Now, having said that, I want to also say this. What did Paul say? Uh, those, uh, forgetting those things are which behind, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. We should not be beating ourselves up over the bad decisions or the wrong decisions that we've made in our lives, but we should never forget them either. Why? Because they should, be, they should act as a rudder in our lives to keep us from making those same mistakes again. Weakness of the past. And in, in verses 1 through 13, by Joshua going through the history of Israel, what was he doing? He was reminding them of the strength of God of the past that brought the plagues, that fed them, that gave them water, and the cloud and the fire by night, uh, and, and all of the, the protection and everything that had happened. It was God that did those things, not them. And so often we look at our lives and we and we are more like Nebuchadnezzar and we say, hey, look what I have done, instead of saying, look what God has done. In John chapter 8, verses 10 to 11, and when Jesus lifted up, lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, 
He said unto her, Woman, where are those uh, thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? In verse 11, she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. What, did, what, was, what was taking place here? Jesus was in a crowd and, and these, these men brought this woman to Jesus who was caught in adultery, in the very act of adultery. My first question is, where's the guy? But anyway, um, uh, they, bring him, they, they bring her to him and, and Jesus says, okay, uh, you, you that are without sin cast the first stone. What happened? They all, they all just disappeared. My point is this. Jesus tells her something here, very, very important. He says, uh, Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Now, do you think that as she was leaving, she remembered or she was able to forget every sin that she ever committed? Absolutely not. Why? It was burned deep in her mind. Amazing thing happened to me the other day. I was driving on the road and something triggered a memory in my mind that happened forty forty five years ago. Something stupid that I did. And I've done a lot of stupid things. I thought, man, I can't believe I still remember that. I'm getting old. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to remember stuff like that anymore. See, we never forget. The weakness of the past. Someone asked Paul Harvey, by the way, I, we, I really miss Paul Harvey. I, um, somebody asked Paul Harvey to reveal the secret of his success. And I like what he said. He says, I get up when I fall down. And we all fall down. We all make mistakes. The weakness of our past. So let's, let's wrap it up here real quickly with the weakness of the future. Verse 26. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Joshua did two things here for the people to remember into the future of the vow that they were making before God. Number one, he wrote it in the book. Then he set up a memorial for the people to remember. And I'm here to tell you the first one, the, 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 the first memorial that, that, that Joshua did was at the Jordan River. When they crossed the Jordan River going into the Promised Land, they set up a memorial of 12 stones. That memorial was to, to help the children of Israel remember what had taken place in the past. The memorial that we just read about in Joshua 24 was a memorial to help them remember the promise that they just made to God. We have the book. We have the book. 
But do you have a memorial in your life reminding you of the promise maybe you've made in the past that you're going to serve God? I don't know. I can take you within a mile of the I was driving truck. I I I 15 between <clears throat> between Corona, California and San Diego, California, I could get you within a mile of where I was on the freeway that day when I when I gave my life to Jesus Christ and said, I will serve you with my life. It was a memorial that day. Have you ever taken the time to say, God, I will serve you? See, it's not in your strength. It is in your weakness that you come to God and say, God, I'm yours. It is the weakness of the future. How do you make good choices? Number one, intellect. God loves God loves me. Number two, passion. I will serve you. I will do it. I will serve you, Lord. Number three, determination to destroy the idols that are in my life. Not just put them away, not just put them in the closet, but destroy those idols. Get rid of them. I don't need them. And then number four, weakness. It's not in my ability. It's in his ability. To keep my eyes on the cross. To keep my eyes on the cross. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I am so, so truly thankful and grateful for all that you do in my life. And Lord, as we come to you this morning, I I beg you, that you would hear our prayers and that you would help us to make good and right choices because our foundation needs to be on Jesus Christ the rock, not on the sands of the changing world that we live in. We need Jesus Christ and we, we need the power of God in our lives. Lord, in closing, we ask that you would speak to our hearts and you would challenge us and that you would help us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, is there anybody say,